I think it's a lesson in just raising money. And we got to remember, these are all high-risk endeavors. We've been in a period of up until the last 12, 18 months where it's been just for the decade prior, it was just free money and people were just raising money at astronomical valuations that didn't make much sense for business models that didn't have a lot of revenue coming through them. Things are just catching up to a more realistic way of running businesses now. Hi, and welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. And I'm GeekWire co-founder John Cook. We are coming to you from Seattle, where we get to report each day on what's happening around us in business, technology, and innovation. What happens here matters everywhere. And every week on this show, we talk about some of the most interesting stories in the news. Coming up, we've got what I think must be one of the biggest Seattle startup implosions ever. Is that the right way to describe what happened to Convoy this week? I think so. I think I was going back into my own archive, pulling up some companies that I'd written about in the early 2000s that imploded, and it wasn't quite as bad as this. What was that, like Terabeam? There was a company called Terabeam that had raised several hundred million dollars, but they eventually sold. But let's come back to that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So coming up, we'll dive into what happened with Convoy. That'll be in our second segment this week. But first, let's talk a little bit about the GeekWire Summit, John. We had nearly Great 600. Day. <laughs> Great day. Great day. It was really fun. We had nearly 600 of you out at the SIF Cinema, the former Cinerama movie theater in Seattle, for a half-day conference followed by a film screening in the evening of Arrival, the science fiction movie starring Amy Adams as a linguist who communicates with this unknown alien race And as I was watching the movie, eating my chocolate popcorn in the evening. You like the chocolate popcorn. I had a full bag. A full bag. All right. You were were in it. I was like, this conference is over. I'm going to enjoy myself with a movie and a bag of popcorn. I had some junior mints going. Junior mints. There you go. I couldn't help but notice the parallels between that movie. And it's one of the reasons we picked it. And what we're dealing with now with artificial intelligence. You've got this... Unknown language, this amorphous entity arriving on our planet. We're figuring out how to communicate with it, ask questions. It's kind of like what we're dealing with with generative AI and large language models in an abstract way. I felt the same way. I wasn't sure if other people would draw that connection point, but that was one of the reasons why I thought it would be a great movie. In addition to the fact that we we should say we had the screenwriter, Eric Heiserer, and the author of the original book that led to the, the movie Arrival there, Ted Chang, and they were part of our fireside chat before we went into the movie. And uh, yeah, it's a great film. It really is a great film. And I think, you know, I'm not a big sci-fi guy, but I love this movie. I There's just something about it that just really resonates with me. It's such a personal story. And I had not seen the movie before last night, but I had read the short story by Ted Chiang that was the basis for it, as you mentioned. And it was a beautiful story. And it was funny you were talking with Eric Heiserer, the screenwriter, right before the screening, and you asked him about what it was like to adapt the story of your life, which was the short story by Ted Chang. And he said, it was kind of like taking a Rolls Royce from the owner or the person who made it and saying, I'll bring this back to you with some aftermarket parts on it. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah. and, and I really felt that way. But I have to say, the way they adapted that 
novella into the big screen was really incredible. Oh, it's so good. Well, we should talk a little bit about some of the content at yes. the summit as well. The movie was kind of the capper at the end of the day. Were there any things that stood out to you as we talked about AI and the future of AI across our business or tech panel or some of our power talks? For sure. And we'll have full coverage on GeekWire. And in fact, I want to turn at least one of the panels that we did into a future podcast episode. So stay tuned for that, I guess. To me, just the pace of things. Yes. We are seeing the future now in many ways. The co-pilot approach with things like GitHub Copilot and Read AI, which is this meeting analysis tool. We had the CEO, David Chim, there to talk about that. This to me is coming on so fast. And the fact that it has happened so quickly, I think, gave us a good chance to just take a deep breath and see what's coming next. Yeah. Well, you actually had David Shim, the Read AI CEO, who has this bot that basically shows up in virtual meetings for you. I was waiting for your follow-up or your zinger in his comments because he said it's kind of bad form to have your bot show up in the Zoom meeting and you're not there yet. And then you show up a few minutes later. So he said, I, I try to get into my meetings earlier. And then I have my read AI assistant with me. Well, remember on our prep call, he wasn't there yet. No, was, that was Diego Oppenheimer. Oh, that was Diego. Yes, that was right. That, that was Diego right. Oppenheimer who was using, using read, AI. read AI. That's correct. His, so Diego had the bad etiquette well, on it. I don't know if I'd say bad etiquette. <laughs> Let's just say his bot showed up to the meeting before he did. That was right. And we were trying to figure out, okay, what is this? Should we let it in? It was, it was a funny moment. But yeah, I was struck by that in terms of the pace of how things are changing and at the end of the day, people really don't know how this is all going to shake out. Um, there are the optimists in the room, and I would put Diego Oppenheimer and David Shim in that category, and some people that are a little more pessimistic, such as Eric Heiser and Ted Chang. And so having that balance in the conference was was pretty interesting. Definitely. Okay, we will have links to our coverage in the show notes on this episode and in the related post on geekwire.com. Also, as we mentioned, stay tuned for more highlights coming up on future episodes of the GeekWire podcast. Coming up, what the heck happened at Convoy? I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop and John Cook. John, let's set the stage here. Convoy is a digital freight marketplace. I like to think of it as the Uber for trucking. And I know they use that phrase, but essentially- I don't know if they did, but everybody else did. did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the idea was that they would take shippers who needed to send stuff across the country or the continent and match them with truck drivers and trucking firms that had excess capacity in their loads and bypass the whole notion of these brokers and these antiquated systems that would normally do this kind of matching in the past. So much like Uber replaced or was an advance over the traditional taxi system and the dispatch system in that way, Convoy did the same thing for trucking. 
and I say did in the past tense, which would have been a shocking term even just last week because this company imploded in literally a matter of days. And it was one of the top startups in the Seattle region, backed by Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Bono and The Edge from U2. I mean- Mark Benioff. Yes. It had a who's who of investors and a lot of money behind it. They raised about $1 billion over the course of their history. What happened I, here? First off, I might push back a little bit that it, that it was in days that it imploded. I think it was in days that it imploded in front of our eyes and, right. and what, we, what we saw playing out. But even a few months ago, it was reported they were trying to find an investment bank. They've had a series of layoffs. So it, it's been playing out. But to see it just go from a company that was in existence to essentially – closing their doors in 48 hours, um, that transformation is pretty stark. And I haven't seen anything quite like that before in terms of the speed at which it closed its doors. And you interviewed Dan Lewis this past summer at a GeekWire event, and he did at least allude at that point to the notion that things were rocky in the freight market. True. I think he was mainly painting the picture of the the industry. We weren't getting as many insights, at least in that interview, and maybe I didn't do as good of a job of pressing him on it, that things were as dire as um, they were at Convoy at that time. But certainly when a company like this hits the wall, I mean, the thing that struck me was within a matter of minutes of this happening, we were getting, you know, we have our tips at geekwire.com tip line. I mean, we were getting several tips coming in of people providing information like things are shutting down, they've, they're closing off their services, it's up in the air. And so you knew something was was happening that was pretty dramatic. And then I think that was on a Wednesday. And then they said, we're just going to tell you more about what's coming later in the week. And by Thursday, they had sent out a memo basically saying they were pretty much done. We have to give a shout out here to Taylor Soper, GeekWire's managing editor, who has been all over this story, breaking angles on it throughout the week. He was able to access the video of Dan Lewis, the company's CEO, and Mark Okerstrom, its president, talking to employees. And they were clearly shook by this. One of the things that we learned was that Convoy, according to a person who's familiar with the matter, had lined up a merger and acquisition deal in just the recent months, but it fell through at the last minute, according to this person. So clearly, even though they were seeing some turbulence over the past few months and really a cratering of their business, they were still hopeful up until this last minute that they would work out some kind of deal, presumably with Amazon. That is the assumption of- I had Walmart and then some traditional brokers, I think, were also maybe- kicking the tires on Convoy. But uh, yeah, the marketplace just disintegrated. And I think they were facing some pretty tough market dynamics, not just on their own business. But when you think about what could they do to patch things up, I guess they could have gone back into the market and tried to raise more venture capital. But that market's, I wouldn't say it's frozen, but it's not great. And so they are probably faced with a pretty tough situation, you know, continue to try to figure out how to operate a business in a marketplace where it wasn't working very well or go out and raise more money so they could continue to keep the lights on. And both of those things seem to be frozen for them. Uh, so they're kind of they are kind of stuck. 
on the broader industry dynamics, this is something I've just been learning about this week because obviously I'm not immersed in the world of freight on a day-to-day basis. I'll link to a good Reuters story that explains what's been going on. But essentially, there is just a ton of supply and not as much demand anymore. And basic market dynamics means that Convoy was going to start to struggle without this kind of demand for its own service. Even still with that and with the pronouncements by the executives of the company saying that they were crushed by market forces, you have to scratch your head a little bit. And some of the venture capitalists I've been talking to in the Seattle area about this, many of whom are buzzing about it, thinking about it, because how could a company go from 18 months ago raising $260 million in venture capital to essentially not being here anymore. That's a pretty radical turn. And as bad as the market forces were, you have to start asking some questions about the management of that money because that's a lot of money to burn through in a very, very short period of time. And I don't think I've seen that before. We were referencing in the opening this company, TerraBeam, which I had written about in the late 1990s into the early 2000s. And they also raised a massive amount of money and hit the wall, but they eventually sold their assets for pennies on the dollar, but they at least sold. This company is just just shutting down. Now, I guess the creditors could come in and still sell some of the assets here. Maybe they get some money back, but some of the reporting we've seen uh, from the information and other sources is saying that this $260 million of capital is, is essentially gone. That like Oftentimes when you do a wind down like this, you can say, hey, the market's not working. We, we raised $260 million. We still have $150 million left. We'll distribute it back to some of our equity shareholders. And yeah, you're not getting all your money back, but you're getting some. This case, no, none of those equity investors from what we've heard are getting any of their money. And the lenders, in this case, J.P. Morgan Chase and Hercules Her- Capital. Hercules Capital have apparently taken control of the assets of the company. And that's a unique situation. It's almost a bankruptcy situation. And, and perhaps the company still goes into bankruptcy. Who knows? The situation with the lenders played into an unfortunate circumstance with the employees in terms of how they're being let go. And let's talk about that when we come back. And we will be right back. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. We're talking this week about the sudden, at least to the external world, implosion of Convoy, the digital marketplace for trucking. John, one thing that's notable here is this is not a capital-intensive business that would be burning through that $260 million. Right, right. It's not a robotics company. It's not a biotech company with big lab space. It's a digital marketplace. Traditionally, can be very, very profitable businesses. I mean, Amazon is a digital marketplace. The executives from at Convoy came out of Amazon. So, yeah, they can be extremely profitable. So, in that way, the fact that they burned through the $260 million in 18 months is all the more eyebrow raising. 
you would think they would maybe be able to get some controls in place to and they were laying employees off but yeah it's just it's surprising to a lot of the folks that I've been talking to now with the lenders in particular that played into a situation with severance the hundreds of employees that are still left who were let go this week are going to be let go without severance and and, and we should say i think there were about 500 employees at the time of the announcement that the, that the company was going to close down but at one point convoy had as many as 1500 employees so it's a fairly sizable company and on the video call that our colleague taylor soper watched Dan Lewis, the CEO, was really broken up about this fact that they were not going to be able to give severance. I think this was a bit of a gut punch for him, just knowing that these employees who were still left were not going to get this severance. And he basically laid it at the feet of the lenders saying, unfortunately, in the final hour of this, our ability to make that decision on severance and our available budget was taken away by our lenders. That said, I mean, obviously, the executive team got them in that position to do that. Yeah. With the help of market forces, clearly. But still, boy, that's 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 tough. There's there's a way to wind down a company. And this is not it. You don't want to leave your employees high and dry. There's also potential litigation here. Uh, Taylor Soper, our managing editor, is looking into a story. Uh, this weekend about whether Convoy potentially violated the WARN Act, which means uh, essentially you have to give written notice of 60 days or more to your staff before having a mass layoff. It appears that that was not followed in this case. So it's not the end of the story here by any means. I think there's going to be probably additional litigation. Uh, Obviously, there are now a lot of unemployed people coming out of one of Seattle's hottest startups at one point. This is a company that was number three on our GeekWire 200 list of the top privately held companies in the Pacific Northwest region. So there's a lot of fallout here, and I think it's going to continue and reverberate for for weeks. You were explaining to me earlier, John, when we were taking a walk, that venture capital can actually work against you in this way when you raise money initially at such a high valuation, when you go out then later to try and get acquired? Well, I think they were probably facing a situation that they could go and maybe sell the assets at a much lower valuation. Than, um, than the $3.8 billion that they were valued at in April 2022. Yeah, so if a company is valued at $3.8 billion, the venture capitalists who've put money in at that valuation. Now, the earlier investors are are in at a much lower valuation, and the later investors might be in at that three point eight billion dollar valuation. Nonetheless, you're looking at you know thirty, forty, fifty, hundred billion dollar company that they're trying that the venture capitalists are trying to build here. And so, if it gets to a point that um, you're not going to achieve those sorts of metrics, oftentimes the venture capitalists will cut their losses, say, yeah, that was one of our losers. We're going to try to get our money back and our fund through other investments and put their horsepower and money into other bets. And so I'm sure Convoy could have tried to go out and raise more money, but I think it would have been a really painful exercise for them to do so. So they really ended up getting kind of stuck here that their market that they were operating in, their business and their customers, that was frozen. And then the venture capital market that they potentially could have gone to is also frozen based on some other market conditions. And then if you're 
the venture capitalists are looking at that market. Oh, the freight marketplace is really tied up. It's not going anywhere. Convoy's losing customers, not generating as much revenue as they had hoped. They're like, eh, we're not going to throw good money after bad. And so at that point, you can't really do much. And then um, if somebody comes in like an Amazon or a Walmart and wants to try and buy them, they're certainly not going to pay at the valuation absolutely that not. the company was but, before. But <laughs> – You'd want something. I mean, even pennies on the dollar is better. And that's why I said sometimes people will or companies will give money back to shareholders. Just say, hey, it's not working. At least you'll get $100 million of your $260 million back. But and they would have needed to have done that six yes, months ago, it yeah, seems like, right. on this trajectory. That's right. Of course, it's easy for us to sit here and opine, but you've seen this happen in well, a much different way before. I, I think it speaks to the – challenges of raising venture capital. I know we write a lot about it. We're I wouldn't say we celebrate it because frankly the entrepreneurs that I really respect are bootstrappers that don't raise any venture capital and take on very little funding to get off the ground and then build a profitable business. But there is an a there is an allure around venture capital and building these gigantic companies and and many have been built with with venture capital and I think we pay close attention to that because oftentimes they are the companies that can grow into a thousand ten thousand hundred thousand people companies but there's so many risks with it because there are these expectations that are placed on your company and if you can't meet those you're toast and something like this can happen so there are I think it's a lesson in just raising money. That oftentimes these are high, and we got to remember these are all high risk endeavors. Uh, and it's we've been in a period of up until the last 12, 18 months where it's been just for the decade prior, it was just free money and people were just raising money at astronomical valuations that didn't make much sense for business models that didn't have a lot of revenue coming through them. And I think we're just getting things are just catching up to a more realistic way of running businesses now. The fact that they raised venture debt, I know that's relatively common with equity rounds. That said, I wonder if this is a bit of a cautionary tale there as well, because lenders have a contractual right to their money back, whereas investors are making a bet. Yeah, and I think this would be a great story to look into. I know we've written about venture debt in the past, but I think that's another angle here. I'm curious whether uh, – convoys the canary in the coal mine here like what's happening with other companies that might be hitting other certain market dynamics that can't raise capital in the venture capital marketplace anymore but they have venture debt or they try to go venture debt as a way to try to get them out of their position venture debt can be a pretty scary situation i think convoy found themselves in that and have lost control of the company to their to their creditors fascinating story, unfortunate story, one that we'll continue to track. And again, be sure to check out the coverage on GeekWire. And if you have tips or insights into it, please let us know. You can reach us at tips at geekwire.com. That email goes just purely to the core editorial team. We're good at following up and confirming the details that come in via that line. And we appreciate any insights that people can provide or, or leads that they can give us to chase. All right. With that, John, I think we'll probably be talking about this again in the future. I would think so. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks again to everybody who joined us this week at the GeekWire Summit. We will be back next week with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast. Until then, I'm Todd Bishop. And I'm John Cook. Thank you for listening to the GeekWire podcast.